Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Wrapping up week two of in-season podcasts here on Fantasy NBA Today, episode 10 of the in-season variety as I continue to do this idiotic exercise. And welcome to the show. I'm Dan Baspris. Thanks, uh, as always, for, for tuning in, for doing some of the things I ask you to do. That's the least I can... I mean, that's all that I can hope, really, I think, uh, is to do some of this stuff. Can't expect you guys to do everything. I don't do everything, so why would anybody else? One thing I do need you guys to do is drop some five-star reviews on the pod because uh, a couple of, like, threes came in, and one of them I feel like I need to apologize for. I had no idea that they were running extremist political ads on this thing. Um, those are generally controlled, but I don't want to pass the buck entirely. I could go in, and I will now, go in and make sure that those are not coming out. I just didn't even know that that was a possibility. Like, the host provider puts ads in the podcast, and I'm fairly certain that I can go in and choose which ones or, like, what categories are allowed. And I thought, meh. What's the worst that happens? There's like an ad for a Walmart in there or like like a penis enhancement thing. Those things would have been totally fine by my account, but like weird, crazy political stuff, uh, I really do apologize for that. I'm sorry. So if anybody else heard that one, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was happening. I wish someone would have told me before dropping a negative review on the podcast. Like I don't, I'm not aware. I don't hear these things when I'm recording it. So for that, I do apologize. I'll try to get that sorted out here in the not-too-distant future. i got to do some exploring on, on menu options and settings, but time is of the essence, so let's just dive on in. Um, but yes, please do drop a five-star review. Um, I know that it, it is like a process, but it would be much appreciated. And if you could write something, it would be awesome too, because then that like might push some of the, the one about this crummy thing down the board a little bit. I'm really embarrassed about that one, honestly. Some people have said things like, oh, Dan talks too much about non-basketball stuff. I'm like, yeah, they're probably right. Um, so I leave those, like, that's almost like a badge of honor for me. But this one's not. I'm very upset about that. ClipFan88, I'm so sorry. Please go back and change it if I promise to get rid of that thing. I don't want those on there either. You guys know where I stand on things uh, politically, and I've tried to keep that out of this podcast because I want it to be kind of a mental reprieve for everyone, and then this thing comes in freaking haymaker from the other side. Nah, dog, I'm not going to let that stand. So I'll go figure that out. Um, anyway, ClipFan88, if you're out there, I see your review. And for everybody else, please throw a five-star on this bad boy. I'd really appreciate it. It's Weekend Review Day on the podcast. I have listed, oh my goodness, I don't think it's as many as, na- uh, as, many names as last week. Let's see, 7, 8, 9, how many is in that category? 10, so it's 19, 24, 35, 42 crap it's still a lot oh god it's more than that no it's about as many as last week so i've got like 50 names i want to talk about which means we're gonna have to hustle to get to all of them i also want to look briefly at the weekend ahead i also need to remind you guys that thrive fantasy is one of our partners i don't know how the hell we're gonna pack all of this into like a 45 minute pod but damn it i'm gonna do my level best so here we go at dan vespers on twitter i'll talk to you guys over there i'll remind you at the end of the show as well Week in review, we'll start with the ads. That's everybody's favorite part, right? The ads, not advertisements, the A-D-D-S. The ads of the week. Norman Powell, who was rostered heavily and probably shouldn't have been, but then folks that hung on a little 
got rewarded with this Kyrie or uh, excuse me, Kawhi Leonard sore knee thing. And we figured there would always be some kind of Kawhi knee stuff, but this is obviously much worse than what was expected. He played off the bench in two games and immediately had stuff going on. And I like the alarm bells are going off for me right now. I you know, I know that there's this inclination. Typically on this show I'm like you got to ride it out. Like you're not going to get you'll get pennies on the dollar. I'm almost inclined to take pennies on the dollar for Kawhi right now. I'm a little bit worried. I'm usually not that worried. Uh this feels like it could be something that's just there all week. But uh no if Norman Powell was dropped in your league, you pick him up cuz he's going to get things going at some point. He had a better game yesterday on Thursday. Uh, and hopefully that at least some of that continues here. Now, when Kawhi gets back, if he gets back and kind of gets rolling, I, I reserve the right to move this name off that board. Trey Mann is an ad right now. Oklahoma City, they're kind of trying things out, but Trey's actually been pretty good his last uh, two or three ball games. One of them in particular was a really nice one. Uh, it was pointed out to me on Twitter, and I'm probably going to get the shout-out wrong, but uh, Matt Hitch... Matthew Hitchcock let me know on Twitter that Trey Mann actually has the same number of rebounds and assists in uh, every game. That's super weird. Um, eh, That's not going to continue, but there's an odd little thing you can keep track of now in the short term. But as far as fantasy goes, he's an ad. See how this thing shakes out. Caleb Martin, I know he came back down to earth yesterday, but he's playing starters minutes as a wing slash power forward on that Miami team. He's going to have clunker games intermittently because low usage guys do but he hits threes gets some boards gets some assists gets some steals gets some blocks he does a little bit of everything he's much more uh intriguing on the roto side i know many of you have been like dan why do you like him more than others because i play more roto and in head-to-head he's almost a little bit too boring like if you're getting if you're not competing in turnovers or if you're not punting either of the percentages he probably doesn't help you all that much but in roto if you're trying to get a little bit of everything you want those guys that are not going to kind of let the boulder roll back over your face. He actually makes much more sense. And I think he ultimately does kind of settle in somewhere in between the good and the bad. I put Harrison Barnes on the ad list here. And this one, like I'm going to cut and paste a lot of these names onto Twitter to see if I can drive random Twitter users to come listen to the podcast. Because this one actually does deserve an explanation. I don't actually know what Barnes is going to be from now through the end of the year. He was... Like, the the level of usage that he was posting through the first three games was absurd. He took one shot in that third game. One shot. And what was he, like, four shots in the first one and five in the second one? I mean, he just wasn't even remotely close to involved, but he was better in the last ballgame. It still wasn't enough to where I can say, oh, this is something good that's going to be happening from now until the end of time. But if that was the one that woke him up a little bit, if that's the game that kind of got him back on the good foot, then you could expect, like, top 90 type of production from him. If it doesn't pan out, then just punt him. Because I don't know if it's going to stick. Bull Bull is on the list. We talked about him earlier in the week. I don't know that I need to go back into more Bull stuff, but uh, that's, you know, that's this is a week in review, and so we're going to hit on some names that are for earlier in the week, and he's one of them. DeAnthony Melton. Again, this one requires an explanation. So here's the thing. With Melton right now... He's sitting inside the top 120 in 19 minutes per ballgame. And that's the magic of Melton. If he gets 22 minutes a game, he's a big positive fantasy basketball player. If he gets anything more than that, it's gravy. At 19, it's not enough. Okay? 
let's be very clear, at 19, it's not enough. But in his most recent ball game, he cleared 20. That was Philly losing in Toronto. They're off to a rough start right now, so maybe he gets a little more from that. Played 22 minutes, 12 points, 3 boards, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 three-pointers. He was, it was like classic Melton, do a ton in as little time as possible kind of ball game, and he was more efficient than you'd expect there. So, you know, some of that was just being a little better for one ball game. But he's also the kind of guy where if it starts to click, you don't want to miss it. You'll kick yourself forever. And the last name on the ads list is Jalen McDaniels. That's the one in Charlotte. He's off to a crazy good start this year. If you thought Jaden McDaniels was blowing you away, by the way, you'd be right. He's also been really, really good. But the McDanielses are within five spots of each other. Jaden's playing 32 minutes a game. He's a much easier one to point to and just say, that's sustainable. Jalen is playing 23 minutes a game. You can point at that and say, eh, probably not fully sustainable. But if the minutes stick in the mid-20s, he should stay inside the top 100. Top 50, probably not. I mean, things that we're, you know, we're still three weeks away from the great leveling. So we're not there yet. But... Uh, Jalen belongs on rosters right now, at least while he's cooking like this. Only two drops this week. Chris Duarte, who was a drop last week, and Pat Beverly, I moved into the drop category, but he frankly could have ended up in a streamer category because, you know, you get what you get what you get out of Pat Bev, which is he's not going to score at all. He'll take a couple of three-pointers a game. You hope he makes one. He'll get you some boards from a guard spot, but not as many as before because when Russ plays, he takes a bunch from the guard spot. Braun and AD rebound from the wing and forward spots. Uh, And then Bev will get you a couple of assists, and you hope he gets you a steal and a block per game. But I don't know that you can say reliably those things are going to happen. And when Dennis Schroeder comes back, it's still not all that clear what the Lakers do at that point. So there's a lot going on here with the Lakers just from a personnel standpoint. They've been historically horrible at shooting three-pointers to this point in the season. Um, And Beverly's part of the problem right now. He's not making his shots. So, you know, I don't know that you can trust him as an everyday play. A drop might have been maybe too aggressive here, but I otherwise really almost wouldn't have had anybody in the drop category. So that's where he ended up. The holds, this might be the biggest category of all. Um, Royce O'Neal is a hold. I don't know that anybody was really considering a drop there. I know his his lines are a little bit boring, uh, but he's cruising along in the 70 range right now. And he's playing copious minutes for the Brooklyn Nets, a team that really kind of needs his glue guy type of stuff. So he's a pretty easy hold. I put Kyle Lowry on this list because I I, I legitimately saw people talking about how maybe Kyle Lowry was washed. What is wrong with everybody? And this is not about Kyle Lowry as a specific example, but what's wrong with everybody where they see one week of a dude shooting 28%? And call that player washed. These guys are NBA-level players. They don't shoot 28% for a season. Drew Holiday shooting 31% right now. Big volume. The math is so simple with this stuff. For Lowry, the math was simple. Just get him up near 40% from 28, and he's fine. A couple of good ball games, he's up to 35% now, and he's inside the top 85 and climbing. So I only put him on this list. I put Lowry here because I just wanted to yell about the panicking stuff. Like, there's the math on some of this is just crazy. And people are just like, oh, all right, time to move on. No. You'll know when it's time to move on on specific guys. And it's about opportunity, not results. 
Santi Aldama is in the hold department. Um, he has showed some signs of uh, some signs of sh of slowing. Uh, he's down to number seventy three, but he's still playing those big starters minutes, and so you're holding for now as long as this thing hangs in there. I have a feeling the NBA catches up with him a little bit, but for now it's a hold as he's been good enough. Kevin Herter, I put in the hold category because he's dealing with two injuries at the same time, wrist and shoulder, and he was actually like kind of okay prior to the low-minute output stuff. Uh, but I, to me, he probably ends up as a high-level streamer when all's said and done, but you can hold on for now. Terrence Ross, same general idea. I think, you know, even at this exact moment, he's a high-level streamer, but he had a couple of good ball games mixed in, so that's why he's inside the top 90 right now. But he's shooting 49%. That's not going to stick. As guys come back, if they ever come back, he gets pushed off the board. So he, too, is more of a high-level streamer, but he's a hold as a high-level streamer right now. And now we get into this laundry list of backup uh, big men and which ones fall in the hold and which ones fall in the watch list department. Well, of the backup bigs, which I think we can kind of say is like five or six names right now, Anyika Okongwu, Isaiah Hartenstein, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Duran, Brandon Clark, and Nick Richards. I moved Clark in there because it does seem like he's basically the backup center. I think Hartenstein and Jackson are probably my favorites in that bunch. Okongwu is below those dudes. Jalen Duran is below him. Probably right in the same bucket with Clark. And then Nick Richards is kind of in that one as well. So there's like a little bit of a cutoff. So I'll put those bottom three in the watch list. And I'll put the top three? Yeah, three in the hold list. So Okongwu, Hartenstein, and Jackson are holds. Mostly because all three of them right now are playing enough minutes to where they can be around the top 100 with nothing breaking their direction. And if anything breaks their direction, then they push well past that. Whereas with a guy like Duran, I don't think that they're planning on force-feeding him minutes. But he is close. I'll give you that. Like, he got 23 in the last one. And if Beef Stew gets in any foul trouble, stuff like that. So, like, things could break in his direction. He's a little bit farther in front, maybe like a half tier up from Clark and Richards. Because, again, Nick Richards, like, he's getting explicitly the backup minutes. And if he's only getting the backup minutes, he's not going to have enough. Whereas, uh, Duran might, he's closer. Jackson can. Okongwu can. Hartenstein can. Those guys can do enough in just the backup minutes. And then I put Kelly Olynyk on the hold board because he had one, like, absolutely hellacious shooting game. That blew up his free throw percent and turnovers as well. And that's what's sinking his overall value. Because in general, he's actually been pretty good. 29 minutes a game, 13, 5, and 4 with over a steal, 2 and change, 3 pointers. 50% plus from the field, but like a medium volume, 60% at the foul line, and 3.5 turnovers per game. Those numbers are going to come back towards career norms, and then he'll move back inside the top 100. Because it's so fast. You can move so fast between 150 and 100 right now. Literally one good game. That's all it's going to take. So, yeah. And I don't think people were really thinking about moving on because that one was a bit more fluky. But anyway, that's where we are with that stuff. How are we doing on time so far? Not bad, actually. We're making pretty good time to this point. We're cruising along. Streamers of the day. Dennis Smith Jr. Stream until Terry Rozier comes back. That's an easy one. Josh Richardson. Stream until either Devin Vassell or Josh Primo comes back. We need a data point where only one of those two guys is out. We only have data points for both out. They're both out tonight, I believe is the latest report. 
So Richardson should be good to go, but be real cautious there because if someone comes back, I don't know that we can still trust Josh to do, you know, like a points assist double-double. That was that was significant. Trey Murphy is also the very easy stream call right now with Brandon Ingram out for at least another two games after this one. So tonight and then a couple more, and it might even be longer than that. Uh, he's a pretty easy one to, to roll with as well. The slightly less easy streams right now, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who got hurt in that last ballgame, but he's been just right around, like, never so slightly above the cut line in nine-category leagues. He's had a couple of decent ball games mixed in. There, there's an efficiency thing that's kind of helping boost him right now. Um, and he's, like, technically inside the top 70, so maybe he's even a little bit better than a streamer. And then Lonnie Walker is the other one who's outside the top 120, but he's actually been much better the last couple of ball games. I do wonder what happens here with Russ moving into the second unit. If AD plays, that's one of the reports for today. I'll be watching that Laker game to see how it all shakes out. A couple of unbeaten or unwin, zero win teams fighting each other. Uh, but Lonnie seems like he's moved kind of in front of the, the strict streamer level, even though he's actually ranked lower than Patrick Beverly. Bev has those, like, eight steals and four blocks that's that's floating him. He's shooting 21%, which, that's rough. And, you know, it depend, Bev Beverly's a defense. This is why he probably profiles more as a streamer than a, than a true drop. If he starts to shoot in the high 30s, which, again, not many shots per ballgame, but that's like an extra make per night. That changes his fortunes quite a lot. At the same time, he's not going to average two steals and a block per game. So you can't take one mean reversion and ignore the other that's bad math let's do the watch lists now and then we'll take a quick break after that to uh, remind you guys one of our big partners here that we need you guys to check out uh every wing on the dallas mavericks is currently on my watch list because in their last one that went to overtime you got some pretty good lines out of tim hardaway jr you got a nearly serviceable line out of reggie bullock You've got Dorian Finney-Smith playing a 1,000 minutes a game and doing zero with them. Someone could emerge at the moment. If you were like, Dan, do you think it's one guy, two guys, three guys, all of them, none of them? My money would be on none that stay inside the top 100 per game over the course of the year. If you ask me which one has the best chance to make it inside the top 100, it's probably Dorian Finney-Smith because he can rebound, steal, and block and do it on okay percentages, whereas a guy like Tim Hardaway, it's all about threes and points. And Reggie Bullock, it's almost all about threes, points, and steals, and he's just not going to get that many shots the way they're currently constructed. Dorian Finney-Smith is the one guy that could do it without many shots. But at the same time, my actual vote here is none. I don't think any of them make it. It might all end up streamer level. Keep an eye on Aaron Wiggins out in Oklahoma City. He's played okay the last few ball games. We still don't really know what that team's going to be like if healthy. I'm not sure they ever really plan on being fully healthy this year. They're accidentally beating the Clippers a whole bunch of times, so they're going to have to force losses later. Every time they win now, it's terrible if you want SGA to be playing for your team down the stretch. Wembenyamas is floating out there. NBA is going to be televising all of his games. You don't think these teams are going to be tanking for that? Oh, they're tanking, all right. Alexei Pokashevsky, he's also on the watch list. If somehow things click for him, he could be an absolute behemoth. I don't know that they will ever, maybe, but, I, you know, it's still... You don't have to act on it yet, is basically what I'm saying. Max Struess out in Miami is watch list material every... 
other games seemingly explodes in three-pointers. He's had a couple of okay ones in a row. Uh, it's still very hard to get a good grasp on what this dude is going to be. Because he's averaging two and a half three-pointers a game, but it's pretty much like five and then zero. If you pick the wrong night, you'll never start him again. Pick the right night, you'll start him the next time, and then you'll never start him again. Uh, Brandon Clark, we talked about him, and Nick Richards, I had them on the watch list, harking back to an earlier discussion point here on the show. Malik Monk had a really good game for Sacramento yesterday. I think a lot of that had to do with Kevin Herter being double injured. Keep an eye on Malik. I don't think this is a thing that sticks. When he's hot, he gets to play a little bit more. He looked good, by the way. Looked like a guy the Lakers really need to have re-signed. Oof, offensive issues out there. Um, but again, like he's a scoring punch dude. So in a game where they are scoring plenty but not defending anyone, he's just not going to be a good fit. Jalen Noel. This is an obvious watch list one. He's been really good so far this year, but the minutes are a problem. He's number 90. I think he's played about as well as he possibly can. He's taken 14 shots in 22 minutes per ball game which also kind of feels a bit unsustainable from a usage standpoint. And to have almost no assists when you're chucking like that. He's good, though. He's a good basketball player. He's a good fit. He'd be an amazing fit on another team that doesn't have five starters all playing mid-30s in minutes. Uh, but that's what he's stuck with right now. And just like as far as fantasy profiles go, he's mostly a scorer, which is going to make it really hard for him to stay above the cut line when you're not playing starters minutes. If someone gets hurt out of this, like if D'Angelo Russell goes down and Noel is the guy that gets tapped to go in there and play 30, he won't get as many shots per minute, but just keep him on the floor longer. The assists, the rebounds, the steals, all that stuff trends up a little bit. And then you got yourself probably a primo streamer. KJ Martin's on my watch list. I want to see what Houston does there. He has one of the better fantasy profiles on that team, but his minutes are being yanked around, as a lot of guys are for the Rockets. And they haven't been fully healthy particularly in the front court where he's more kind of power forwardy. So, yeah, they don't have to add him. Watch list. I think, you know, odds are, again, like 80 to 90% chance this doesn't amount to anything, but it's just an, a name to keep on your board. You just want to make sure you look at what they do on a night-to-night basis. Same story with Bruce Brown, who probably has a slightly better path. You know, really nice game against the Lakers, but KCP got hurt and came back, and Michael Porter Jr. was resting in that ball game. So a couple things kind of had to go Bruce's way. But he has a really, really fantasy-friendly game. There just needs to be something cleared out. KCP needs to get hurt. MPJ needs to get hurt. I don't want to say... I mean, in order for Brown... I don't want either of those guys to get hurt. I think the, I think the Nuggets actually did a really good job of, of personnel building. You're seeing the pieces trying to fit together right now. That's why the Nuggets have struggled a little bit. Particularly on defense, they've had... Uh, a bit of a hard time. Everybody's having an easy time on defense against the Lakers, so don't use that game as your your barometer. But Bruce Brown steals, rebounds. He just all that that grimy stuff that the rest of the Nuggets are not really known for. So if he carves out a role, meaning if someone goes down and he just gets to pop right in there, again, I think you're looking at super stream, but probably not a guy you can use every single day. And then Denny Avdia is a guy to keep an eye on. Brew talked about him on yesterday's show. Is he the guy that fills in for DeLon Wright? Can he do enough on a moment-to-moment basis? Meaning, like, night-to-night, is there going to be some measure of consistency? Because Wright's out a long time. DeLon's out for a couple of months now. That sucks, by the way. I love DeLon Wright's fantasy game, and if he had managed to play his way into a couple more minutes, he would have gone on the ad board here. But he's out for a long time now. He's probably out until around the new year. 
Avdi had a good game in that first one where Wright went down 9-7-2 with three defensive stats and a three-pointer, but he just he's never going to do anything with the basketball. He will just refuse to be involved on offense, and that's going to make it really hard because he's going to need boards, assists, steals, and blocks pretty much every single ballgame to cover the fact that he has zero offensive output. Buys and sells are coming up next, but first I got to tell you guys all about Thrive Fantasy and the Thrive Fantasy app. We need you guys to check them out. At the very least, open up an account, use promo code ETHOS when you do so, and you can get a deposit match up to 250 bucks on your initial deposit. So make sure you put in that promo code. That way, if you do decide to throw a deposit in there, you can still get that sweet deposit match bonus. You should check it out. Our DFS team is giving you guys props every day straight from from the Thrive Fantasy Board. You pick 10 props out of 20 choices, and if you get a bunch that hit, you win money. It's DFS for folks who hate regular DFS. That's me, and I'm guessing that's more of you guys. I don't know how many of you listeners play DFS. If you do, by the way, hit me up on Twitter because we're looking for one last DFS contributor here at Sports Ethos. I'm at Dan Vespers over there. But in the meantime, use promo code ethos at thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up and win some damn money. And as I said before, we did bad math here on Fantasy NBA today. Even if you only win a quarter of your wagers for a little while, you just lose the bonus money. If you do better than that, you can end up up thanks to the deposit match bonus. And then if you want to cash out, you cash out. It's fine. Let's make a little bit of money together. Or screw it. Let it ride, man. Let our DFS guys cart you through. They're really good at what they do, by the way. And I want to get those dudes on this show at some point uh, in the relatively close future. The buy list. It's going to be a hard one to do at lightning round mode, but we'll do our best. Jordan Poole is a buy low, but... I have hesitation about him getting back to where he was drafted. Poole was drafted near 60 this year. I don't think he gets to 60. You know, I think his minutes are going to be a little bit lower. His shots are going to be a little bit lower, especially with Andrew Wiggins playing so well. He will obviously be better than he is now. Jordan Poole is ranked 140 because his his shots are way down. He's only taking 10.5 shots per ballgame. That'll probably come up towards 12 or 13. But I feel like we're talking more about a 70 to 90 range dude instead of 50. So if you can get him for a top 80, I would do it. I'm guessing the person won't part with them for that, so this one might be null and void. One that you'll probably have an easier time to pull off would be a Clay Thompson by low because he's not even on the board. Clay Thompson is way down the board, 223. But why? Ask yourselves why. 223. First, he's shooting 34% from the field. Disastrous. Second, he's had almost no defensive stats of any kind. 0.2 steals, 0.2 blocks as well. Disastrous. But is that likely to be something that sticks? Sure, he hasn't been a big steals and blocks guy in his career, but in starters minutes, he's at 1.4, not 0.4. Over his career, he's a 46% shooter from the field, not 34 Free throws are sort of weirdly near his career mark, but that doesn't really play much of a role either. And then finally, he's on a restrictor. He's got the restrictor played on. Do they ever get him up to like 33, 34 minutes a game this year? Maybe not. That's a possibility that that doesn't come all the way through. But last year, he was top 60-ish in about 30 minutes per ball game, and that's a pretty reasonable target here as well. When the field goal percent gets back up into the low to mid-40s, 
three-point percent in particular, that's down right now, 31. Career mark is almost 42. And steals and minutes. Everything screams by low on Klay Thompson. He's going to get his, his maintenance days, so maybe this is one that profiles a little bit better on the Roto side than head-to-head. But, I mean, there's a chance that you could get Clay for like a top 90 kind of guy right now. Someone in the 90 range who maybe you think is overperforming but has a little bit of name weight, like a Sadiq Bey. Someone who's probably super excited about drafting him. I'd say Monte Morris, but he's probably going to get a bump here with DeLon right out. He'd have been the guy I would have used before. There's some other by low. DeAndre Ayton, by low. He was not, he's not even on my list right now. I didn't even realize he was outside the top 100 because I just wasn't that high on him. The problem with a guy like Aiden is someone's going to expect like a top 40 guy coming back. I just don't think he's really that guy. Or like Evan Mobley at 104. Someone drafted him probably at 36 in your league. You're not going to be able to get him. You're going to have to pay a top 50 price. I don't think he's a top 50 dude. I said this on draft day. Where's the extra usage coming from? Dude is already over two steals and blocks per ball game. Did we think he was going to go to like four? He'll be better than this. Duh. Bam. He'll be better than this also. But the it's the price you have to pay on these guys. Uh, Drew Holiday. That's another pretty easy buy low. He's number 95 right now because he's shooting 31%. That's it. Adjust that up into the high 40s where he usually is. Everything else will come with it. And then he's a top 40 guy again. See if you can get him for someone in the 60 range. And you'd still be making a profit there. Let's see, uh, who's, in this, who's between 55 and 70 that might get it done that we think might peel off a little bit? Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., he's shooting 88% at the free throw line. He'll peel off a little bit as the season goes. I actually think he's still going to have a pretty good year, but top 60 is, is probably not going to stick. Uh, Scotty Barnes at 63, he's shooting 52% right now. That probably levels off. I'd rather have Drew Holiday. Keegan Murray, he's number 66 in three ball games. If you could turn him into Drew Holiday, I would do it. Jabari Smith at 69. I think there's a, a weird feeling that he's like a top four. Although his field goal percent probably comes up a little bit. So I, I don't know if that one's fully a sell high, but certainly there's a lot of buzz around it. Jalen Green is at 75. People probably think he's top 20 with the amount of buzz he's gotten. See if you can turn him into Drew Holiday. I don't know. Maybe none of these work. Keldon Johnson, one of my good buddies here. He's actually ranked in the late 70s because his free throw shooting has been quite bad so far this year. But... I mean, what if you could pair him up with someone else in, like, the 80s that's overperforming? These are things to consider, and they're workable. All right, here's a weird one. I'm going to put Carl Anthony Towns on the buy low, even though I don't think he gets anywhere near where he was drafted. But he's number 55 right now, and he's had just zero defensive stats of any kind. And we knew his field goal percentage is rebounding. We're going to take a hit with Rudy Gobert in town. And we knew the blocks would take a hit, but not this substantial of a block hit. Some of that stuff is coming back. Cat likely ends up inside the top 25. If you can get him for someone you say drafted in the fourth, third or fourth, that's going huge right now, consider it. Like Jimmy Butler went nuts last night. He's now number 21. He has that huge injury risk hanging over him. Although, I'll, I'll say this, Butler might at, Butler and Cap might be like neck and neck in per game when this season ends. Chris Paul, you guys know I love Chris Paul. He's number 28 right now. Throw him out there. Vooch at 30. Throw him out there. 
These are guys that might get it done. De'Aaron Fox at 18, you might have to pair someone up, but I would do that too. Think about it. Think what you can maybe throw in there. Colin Sexton, you can get him for pennies on the dollar because now he's got an oblique thing uh, and he was already ramping up very slowly. Maybe you just wait and see if he gets dropped. You probably don't even need to buy low on this one. But I don't know. If you're willing to squat on it, I think he's going to be really good in about four weeks. But that feels like a long time. Four weeks feels like forever, especially when he's probably going to play some games in there and look not good in them. <laughs> uh, I put this one on Twitter the other day. Jamal Murray is a pretty big buy low for me. It's basically the same phenomenon as Sexton and Clay Thompson, a guy who has the restrictor plates on, can't shoot so far this year, doesn't have his sea legs yet. But as he gets going, give it three or four weeks, all these guys are going to be cooking. And then Cam Johnson was another one we've talked about on the podcast already. Uh, he's number 165, but he's shooting 38.5% and 50% of the foul line. He got the minutes in their last ball game. He's a top 80 guy this year once everything settles. And if you can get him for someone who's overperforming in that 80 range, as that guy peels back, like a Kelly Oubre maybe, and Johnson comes roaring up the board, that's where you collect that profit margin. Sells. Sell high. Here's a funny one. Nick Claxton is a sell high, even though uh, he's ranked number 148. He's a punt free throw guy at this point. And that number, I don't think, is really coming back all that far. He was a terrible foul shooter last year. And the problem, of course, is that even though he's doing a bunch of pretty good stuff, rebounds and blocks and field goal percent, the the lack of, well, the free throw shooting is just so brutal that it's weighing everything down all by itself. But then you have to be so good in everything else to make up for that, and he's been pretty good in a couple of things, but not enough. Thing is, it's possible people don't realize how awful he's been at the free throw line, so maybe you can make this swap before it becomes really obvious. Ivica Zubats is a sell high. Um, again, they, Marcus Morris being out, that's been a pretty big deal for him. They're dealing with the family thing. Uh, both Morris brothers have been out last couple of ball games. Zubats is probably not going to play 32 minutes when the Clippers can stretch the floor. Offensively, they were beyond anemic in these two games. He's putting up huge numbers, but they're losing. The blocks, the rebounds, that stuff isn't going to stick. He's right now hovering just outside the top 50. I do believe as this season progresses, he falls back towards that 85 to 115 range, which is still decent. But if you can get a top 75 guy for Zoo, that's a great target right now. Because he's two two and a half rounds ahead of that area at the moment. Two to two and a half. So maybe you could pick up someone like a Jared Vanderbilt, who's ranked 80. Or a Buddy Heald at 76. Or Kyle Lowry at 84. These guys that probably end up near 75. Or better. Vanderbilt probably goes better than that. I'll zoo before he starts to taper off a little bit. Now again, don't get me wrong. I think Zubats has a fantasy useful season. Better than I expected coming into the year. But not that good. I'm putting Lou, Lou Dort in the cell department because he had one good game. <laughs> because I just I want you guys to get off the Lou Dort thing as fast as you possibly can. He doesn't rebound. He typically doesn't assist. His steals are okay, but better real-life defender than fantasy defender. He generally just shoots three balls. Yesterday, he took it to the rack a little, so the field goal percent was better. But he has not shown a well-roundedness to his fantasy game, and I don't expect it to come racing around the bend anytime soon. Right now, in fact... His steals are kind of absurdly high, given his normal rate, 
and he's still ranked outside the top 150. So, yeah, uh, sell it because someone out there thinks he's good. Andrew Wiggins is still a sell high. He's dropped from number 7 to number 14, which is still really, really good, but we haven't had that one, like, actual bad game yet. We've had, what, like a couple of kind of good games instead? Like, he was still pretty damn good yesterday, but made all of his free throws, had a double-double. There's stuff happening here with Wiggins that we know isn't his career profile. Three combined defensive stats. Nope. 49% from the field with two and a half three-pointers. Nope. 80-plus at the free throw line. Nope. Almost zero turnovers. Nope. We know Wiggins. We know a best-case scenario is 60. We know a more likely scenario is 85. If you can get someone near 50 for him, you do it, and you run like hell. And I'm not talking about someone who's just, like, kind of camped out near 50 right now. I'm talking about, like, a legit top 50. Do it. Do it while you can. Steven Vitovich on the show gave you guys John Collins as a possible sell high. He also had another very good game and remains inside the top 12. He's one where I think you might even be able to aim top 35, top 40 for what's coming back. John Morant. Remember, he was number two. Now he's number 15. And there's still some stuff in there that's just beyond unsustainable. Mega volume, 88% at the free throw line. Nope. Mega volume, 53% from the field. Nope. When those numbers come down, Jaw will fall from an early second to at least a mid-third, possibly farther. If you can get a second-rounder back for John Morant, you do it. Boyan Bogdanovich. I put him on the list because he's overperforming, but I don't think anybody really believes it's real. Like, he's number 35 right now. He's been unbelievably good, but the field goal percent's too high. He's getting 15 shots again. I mean, maybe that sticks, but the field goal percent is way too high. He's going to come down a little bit, but I honestly don't even know what target you could aim for. Like, if you were like, Dan, could I get a top 75 guy back for this dude? I might be like, yeah, probably, but is it worth it? Maybe it's better to just see how this thing goes. Unless someone's willing to give you, like, Gary Trent Jr. or, you know... OGN and Nobi or something like that. Like you get somebody that's a that's a legitimate sixty range dude probably from now until the end of the year. But I don't think you're gonna get that. So you're probably stuck just riding this one out. And then Brooke Lopez, who's a very obvious uh, sell high. As much as I love Brooke Lopez, and as much as I will celebrate the fact that he is the old man squad king of the universe right now, he's also not gonna be a second rounder this year. He's averaging four point three blocks per game. He's gone full Miles Turner on the first week of the year. It's been awesome. Like, this is basically a Miles Turner line. But that's not what he's going to be all season long. He'll have games where he only gets one block or two blocks, and that'll come down. He'll have games where he gets zero. He'll have games where he gets played off the floor by faster clubs, but they love his rim protection. They missed it so bad last year. A healthy Brook Lopez and a healthy Chris Middleton, and those dudes probably, I mean, they definitely make the finals. They might even have won it. And you can see how much better they are when Brooke Lopez is around. They're just, they're like, it's substantial. They're 3-0, and and, I mean, they probably win the East this year with or without Chris Middleton, and it's Brooke Lopez. That's the difference. 
But yeah, he's, he's obviously a sell high. If you can get someone inside the top 60, I would do it. I don't think you will. Three games, he probably gets you a top 80 right now. I think I'd rather roll the dice that he has another week. Probably not this good, but pretty good or relatively good. Like enough where even if there's a drop-off, he hangs near the 40 to 45 range. And then maybe people are like, oh, maybe Brook Lopez, he really is going to be like a 60 range guy this year. And that's when you make that flip. But I don't think you're going to get enough right now. I don't think there's enough sample to convince people that it's real. Mid-season reminder, uh, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. I hope that I will see you guys there on social media over the weekend. Before we do the week the weekend ahead part of the show, uh, please do follow there. And please, look, if you're having trouble finding it, I'll walk you through it. Open the podcast app on your mobile device. If it's an I, I Apple product. And search. You have to go into the search button. I don't know why they make this so stinking difficult to figure out, but it's so damn important. It's down in the bottom right. You click search. You type in fantasy NB, and this show will come up. It should be the first result if you just type fantasy NB. You don't even get need to get past that. Uh, click on this search, and then click on the show title, not one of the episodes, and scroll all the way to the bottom on that next page. And you can drop a five-star review on the pod. I will love you forever. I'm going to ask for them on Twitter over the weekend. And uh, I hope you guys will oblige me on that one. As far as the weekend goes, and let's try to do this relatively fast as well, because we're already 40 minutes into this thing. And that's, frankly, you know, as long as I wanted the show to be anyway. Uh, things to watch for as we motor our way through Atlanta. Not a lot. You're just watching the center minutes. Detroit, same kind of thing. Jalen Duran, what is he going to be as this thing trucks along and like there's stuff to look for that's more fringy boy and bogdanovich how does that keep going Jaden ivy's health all those little things i'm only talking about the big stuff right now charlotte jalen mcdaniels is a big thing nick richards is a is a medium-sized thing the dennis smith jr stream is a medium-sized thing orlando bowl bowl is a big thing what happens at the point guard spot is a big thing I believe Markel Fultz, if he can get his butt back in this thing in the next two to three weeks, he might step into a fantastic gig. Indy, Miles Turner, Isaiah Jackson. Jalen Smith seems pretty damn locked in. Washington, who's the beneficiary here with DeLon Wright out for two months? That's a pretty big one. Cleveland, it sounds like no Darius Garland. Karis LeVert's been terrible. I don't think I can start him in almost any format right now. He's just taking a dump all over your free throw percent and just not doing enough other stuff. Boston, uh, I think Grant Williams is suspended for this one, or did he already serve that one? In any event, Big Al, we need to get Big Al going, man. He's off to a very slow start this year, and he's hurting me because we had like four or five big positions on the old man squad, and he's the one that's not keeping up because KD's been great. Keldon's been pretty damn good. Uh, Brooke Lopez, <laughs> that's a simple one. There are a lot of names on that list, and a lot of them are going well, and Big Al is one of the ones who is not. Philly, you're watching DeAnthony Melton. Toronto, nothing. Knicks, pretty much nothing. I mean, Mitch Robb, Isaiah Hartenstein is sort of a small thing that we're constantly monitoring. Milwaukee, not much. Lakers, what do they look like here? If Anthony Davis plays and Russ is running the second unit, what does that mean for guys like Beverly? What does that mean for guys like Lonnie Walker, who we just talked about? What does it mean for Russ? Does he become a fantasy player? Probably not. Minnesota, nothing. Chicago, nothing. Spurs, Richardson's stream because they got some guys out. Utah, only like Colin Sexton's health. I guess he's questionable, which is better than I would have expected. I'm assuming he sits given you know, he's working his way back from some other stuff. They hardly need to push that dude. But then, you know, what does that mean for the other guys on the Jazz Club? 
Kelly Olynyk can he bounce back? Denver, I think everybody's playing in this ballgame for the Nuggets, so that'll be good as we continue to see this slow improvement from Jamal Murray. And if everybody's playing, what does that mean for KCP and Bruce Brown? Pelicans, uh, Ingram is out. Zion is questionable. Sounds like he's leaning slightly towards doubtful, so Trey Murphy's the mega stream there. But again, as far as data points go, I think we, we're still analyzing really more of an after-the-fact kind of thing other than getting Trey fired up. Phoenix, Cam Johnson, does he get those full starters minutes again? Houston, KJ Martin, and just generally where are the minutes going if Alperin Shengun is back indeed? Dame, calf strain, one to two weeks. I got that one right. I'm going to rub it in Brewski's face. He was like, hey, he probably misses one or two games. I'm like, nah, man, calf strains. It's always, especially for players that are a little bit older, calf strains take a while. They're never super quick. He's being evaluated in one to two weeks is the report on Dame. So it's annoying, but Anthony Simons is going to go huge for a little bit and just, you know, grit your teeth and hope Dame gets back pretty soon. Turning clock towards Saturday. Miami, we're watching Caleb Martin, Sacramento. You're watching Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, all that stuff. If any of those guys can kind of move above streamer level, Harrison Barnes as well. Warriors, we talked about some sell highs and buy lows on that club, but otherwise not much. Uh, Brooklyn. The continuing Royce O'Neal situation, Joe Harris and Seth Curry, what's their deal? Uh, Joe should be playing in that ballgame on Saturday. As his minutes ramp up, who suffers? Is it just the weird young fringe dudes, or does it actually cut into Royce O'Neal a little bit? Uh, Memphis? Uh, not much. Steven Adams left and came back in their last ballgame, so that gave Brandon Clark a little extra runway. But if Adams is healthy, I don't think we really have any questions on the Grizzlies right now. And, uh, and then the Dallas Mavericks, who are the, again, we, oh, and Oklahoma City, those two teams, I guess, that are not playing tonight. OKC, you're watching Trey Mann, Aaron Wiggins, Alexei Pokoshevsky, and pretty much anybody to see if they can log starters minutes on a night-to-night basis. And with Dallas, can Dorian Finney-Smith find his place? Can Tim Hardaway Jr. get enough shots off the bench? Can Reggie Bullock do enough as a starter, shooting threes, rebounding, and getting steals? Could he almost potentially take the place of Dorian Finney-Smith as the glue guy on that team? I think, again, the answer to that is all no, but that's the stuff we're watching over the weekend. I think everybody plays either Friday or Saturday, and a quick, quick glance at Sunday suggests that, yes, that is indeed the case. So that's your weekend lightning round. We did that in join in like four minutes. That was the fastest I could have ever possibly done it. Anything else we're doing on social media, I appreciate you guys following me over there. We'll continue to do things uh, between Friday and Monday on Twitter. We'll make sure that everybody stays up to date on all things. Come check us out in the forums. Drop a five-star review on the pod and go play at thrivefantasy.com. It's another week of Fantasy NBA Today in the books. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks again to Brewski and Steven Vidovich for coming on the show this week. We'll get some guests again next week. Maybe some new ones. Who knows? You'll just have to wait and see. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. Reverse chronological lightning round around the corner. Goodbye for now.